All right. Welcome to Guardians of Lore, episode 29, recorded on July 14th, 2019. And our topic for the evening is Books of Sorrow, Part 1. I am your host, Mrs. Hyven. This is not who's supposed to talk. <laughs> this is Hyven. <laughs> and I am today. a very tired Elemist. We're all a little off. It's been a little too long. <laughs> <laughs> had a nice long vacation. We don't remember how to do this. Speaking of, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Jeez. I don't remember how to do this. What, you didn't welcome our nighttime listeners. Our after dark listeners. <laughs> so I know Taking we promised. Trash at yeah. night. This is the intro we promised you guys. We said we were going to have a new intro. Here it is. <laughs> Jeez. Recording oh, a podcast my. at night. Guardians right. after dark. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this is not our new intro. We are still working on that. Um, yeah, that's under podcast news. Yeah. Well, let's get into podcast news then, you guys. So, yeah. We're still working on it. We are getting closer. There's actual things, you know, like picked out and decided. It just hasn't been finalized. It's pretty much the closest we've ever been before. Um, we were really tired on break. And while we basically just, like, as of starting this recording, we were kind of mostly figuring out what we wanted to do. But we have to do a little bit of recording and a little bit of music editing. So we're, we're there. It should be there by the next week or so. But yep. I'm not a slacker. So you, did you this guys before will break, if you go though, to Twitter. That we have a new lore, uh, new logo. Actually, if they're rec- listening to the podcast, it's probably on the. Well, that's that's what. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Well, I don't know what Elmis is gonna do for the picture. I didn't want to assume. You know what they say about. Assuming. Well, it's our logo. It's done. Isn't that what the logo's for? For the front of our podcast. Yeah. I mean, I guess. What are you? What were you gonna do with it? You created it, and you were just only <laughs> gonna keep it on our Twitter page. I knew what I was going to do with it. What Elemis was going to do with it was a different story, okay? I don't want to speak for Elemis. I'm assuming that by the time you're listening to this, the feed will probably no longer have The Stranger, but it should have our logo. It's all right, Mrs. Hyven. Half the time, Elemis doesn't speak for Elemis. <laughs> so, as speaking for Elemis, we'll see. Yeah. But anyways, so yes, that is done. That is up. Hope you guys are all enjoying it. Um, if you hate it, don't tell me. I put a lot of time and effort into that, and I'll probably cry. <laughs> yeah, just sugarcoat it a lot. I mean, at least. If you don't, I mean, if you, if it, it, it's got to be at least better than what we had as of like almost nothing, yeah, no, right? It, it looks so. awesome. <laughs> I know. I like it too. Thanks. All right. And for the usual, we encourage feedback. Uh, check us out on Twitter at guardians underscore lore. Come to chat with me. I love it. Send us an email, guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. Go chit chat with Elemist. Speaking for Elemist, he loves it. Um, <laughs> and as always, go ahead and just drop us a review on Apple Podcast or Google Podcast slash Google Play. Um, that helps us the more we get reviewed there the more we are suggested to other um, listeners listening to like things so we can expand this lore community and make more lore nerds like us 
All right, stuff you may have missed in Destiny. The Lumina quest happened. Anybody want to expand on that? We just... Lumina? Everyone kept saying Lumina, but it's literally like the word Lumina. Either way, uh, I, I, I like currently I think like Lumina. halfway through that. It's a Lumina. Lumens, you know? No, Lumina is spelled differently. Lumina is like the car that Chevy made oh. back in the nineties. Like Luma Lumina. And it didn't have like, an eye. It's literally that means it means light. So anyway, I did finish the quest. And it truly is a weapon of light, which is I think a very, very fitting name for the quest. It's also the name of the gun, if you didn't know, if you haven't finished it. Um, how I far along are you? I haven't finished up? it yet. Uh, I'm currently, like, I just finished the three um, specific quest parts to upgrade Rose. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you do all? Did you do a bunch of menagerie with some? <laughs> That's what uh, I, I did. I still have to do one. that. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to. I think you just have to do events. But I found you can do it in like three menageries if you have a full team with Rose equipped. Yeah, that, I think it took that's me four. I'm, I'm on because I had it with some randoms. But trying to do it, a lot of people did have Rose equipped. So. Yeah, yeah. I love Rose also, but oh, that's yeah. going to come in. That comes in actually later. So you guys, I guess we could save a little bit of the Lumina talk for our next section. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are quick thoughts on Lumina. What's next, Mrs. Hyden? Next. <clears throat> Like, you don't know and don't have the show notes in front of you. I like that. Thank you. Tribute Hall. Um, essentially, it's a shooting range to test weapons. Also has the other side mission. I just love how she's read this. She has, like, no idea what any of this means. You're doing a great job reading. But <laughs> the yeah. Tribute Hall is definitely a shooting range. But it's also basically just, like, a trophy room. Um, once again, I'm not sure. Elemist has been... I've been on break... Just like Elemist, but Elemist has been on vacation, like out of state and in airports, whereas I've been at home for half of my vacation time. So. I think I spent more time in airports than I did actually on vacation. <laughs> so I'm not sure how far you got into Tribute Hall. I currently have 36. Okay, 36 so you got a bunch tributes. too. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. I, the reason I say it's more of like a trophy hall, because you literally can place like primary energy and heavy sense on the wall you place like uh orbs of light little thing that shoots at orbs there's a vault that goes in there there's a giant statue of like zavala and um ikora apparently there's a marasov one can't wait to get that i am i am 10 percent away from that one i need that one well if yeah it's all i'm excited about that one <laughs> and essentially what was it when you get 18 you can do the mission the other yep. side um, and what that does is it unlocks a Whisper of the Worm um, Outbreak yes. Perfected-ish kind of mission. It's much easier. There's no timer. Um, and it's basically just, there's no mechanics, really. You just kill enemies. Uh, it's more like a, I call it a um, Shattered Throne Light. Yeah. It reminds me kind of of a, of a, a mini dungeon. Yeah. I, I could totally see that. Yeah. And then the Bad Juju, which again we'll talk about later, because that's another section. I didn't get the Catalyst. If you have 36, I guess you didn't either. Um, nope. You have to get 45 trophies or tributes, tributes placed in order to unlock the Catalyst. And what that does is it makes String of Curses last longer. And once again, we'll talk about, we'll talk about the weapons specifically in our next area. We'll talk about Lumina 
and bad juju. But that kind of summarizes what I got out of Tribute Hall. I have not finished it all because I'm trying to take my time on it. Yeah. Uh, same here, but I'm, I'm still working today. towards it all. I might play today. So, let's see. Moments of Triumph will be around until August 27th. That's the actual date, August 27th, then? Yep. I would assume uh, so. I'll it was almost September. So. <laughs> well, of course he doesn't. So, uh, the Moments of Triumph essentially are a year-end... Um, you know, a checklist of stuff that you should have done or should be doing if you've been keeping up. And um, you get a shirt sometimes if you get there. Yeah. You don't actually have to finish them all to get the shirt. You have to finish 15 out of the 24. But. You buy the shirt. You don't. Get if your completion is like Elemis, do you complete yes. all 24? <laughs> well, because like by completing all 24, you get uh, something called a seal. It, it's the purple letters under your name. And it, it's literally the Roman numeral for 2019. Yep, yep. And I actually have it up. I could quickly go through what they are for people. Um, a lot of these, you might, some of them you can already have done um, when it drops. And some of them require, even though you may have done a bunch of like strikes in the past, it's not retroactive. But for the most part, um, what are they? You complete mission, nothing left to say. 10 weapon frames crafted in black armory. Win a gambit match in the Notorious set of armor. While you upgrade your chalice. Claim bad juju outbreak and whisper. Wow, okay. Get a lot of gear in your vault. Apparently I did that a lot. Um, 50 bounties. 10 weekly challenges, which is powerful gear. 25 strikes. Um, get a vanguard pinnacle weapon. Get uh, Chief Valor. Rank of legend in any season. In a crucible pinnacle weapon, reach mythic division and gambit. You get a gamut pinnacle weapon. Complete shattered throne. Complete last wish. Complete scourge of the past and complete throne of sorrow. And then there are two hidden ones that are linked to um, solstice of heroes. Solstice of heroes that we I, I'm pretty sure they are equip or unlock the full set of armor and master work of peace. So. Nothing too crazy. I think purposely they don't make it hard because it's supposed to be for everyone to play and it's supposed to be something for them to do over this kind of like summer break. Because um, even the other side mission had power level of like 300 or 3 something. It was, it was really not too bad. No. Yeah, that's Moments of Triumph. It's, I'm looking forward to Solstice of Heroes, but that's next week, two weeks. It's July, coming up, July. but we haven't really heard when specifically. Right. Yeah, that finishes all the stuff that's been happening. Two weeks right, have gone no, by, a lot no, has happened. No, it happen. doesn't. Because Guardian Count happened, and you specifically said we needed that bullet point. Yeah, no, in-game. I, <laughs> I was letting you enter, enter talk about that. Guardian Count happened, you guys. It happened. Lots of she fun things ridiculous. happened. Um, unfortunately, it happened a weekend where we were also out of town and busy, so I did not get to keep up with it as much as I would have liked. Did not get to watch the stream. It was pretty popular yeah. this year. They basically like streamed the whole uh, um, main stage, I do believe. Yeah. The yeah. big lore panel that I didn't, unfortunately, listen to any of. Uh, I think I'm going to watch Bife, I think, has an overview of that whole lore panel. 
might even watch the lore panel stream probably like retroactively. I'm sure I can find it somewhere, but pretty awesome. I'll be looking for it too. Yeah, Bungie was there. Bungie was there. was there. Because Guardian Con happened when the Lumina Quest happened, you know, to drop. All the the playable stations had Lumina. Yeah, so it was. It it seemed really hype this year. Um, it was cool. Bungie was there. It was a little goofy stuff. You know, lots of fun. I'm sure there was. Like I said, I missed out. We'd love to. Hopefully, we like would like to go as a as a podcast team. Maybe next year. Um, yeah. I mean, that would be fun. Talk about the fact that yeah. what five million dollars over were raised for St. Jude. Uh, the bungee stream portion of that was hilarious and fun. Um, but yeah, pretty crazy. Um, every year, more and more is gathered from the, the community. Um, so that's pretty daggone cool. And it's all to support the Little Lights at St. Jude's. Which is definitely yep. a cool organization. So if you weren't able to be involved in it this year, go for it next year. We hope to, to be there. So maybe we'll get to meet some of our listeners. Yeah. All right. So moving on this week, uh, Mrs. Hyven's question corner is going to be a little different because Mrs. Hyven got a new job. I'm pretty pumped about it, but I am still in the training phase of the job and not listening to podcasts. Um, Obviously, mainly focus fire chat. Um, Probably going to just start listening on my way to and from work, but still, that's not a ton. My commute's not that long. Um, But because of that, I do not have a question this week. So we will be turning this over to for this week, obviously, because this is still my corner, you guys. I'm sharing it this week. It's just listener question corner this week. That's all. So this week is going to be our listener question corner, specifically from our awesome listener, good pal, Joey. Yes, friend of the show, um, Joey. He is the one who sent in the previous question in regards to our guardian and ghost names. Um, so I will let, I think, Alamish, you've got that pulled up, so I'll let you take that away. Yep. So Joey wrote, Hello, fellow guardians. I know you guys are on vacation, but I just wanted to ask the lore group how they are enjoying the new weapons, Rose and Lumina, and if you guys have gotten bad juju. So far, I am way too far out from getting it haha but i hope you guys have at least had a chance to try it out hope you guys had a great vacation and looking forward to more lore discussions so first of all we want to thank you for sending another email it's super exciting and we get super pumped when we get them um so yeah and i was just gonna mention you also get trophy of second email ever (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say of course, we all, I mean, immediately there's Elemis sends them out, so we all read them. But just so you know, if you send us an email, we're going to be excited. Chances are we're probably going to read it on the show. So if you have something that you just want for us to like send you a reply back, let us know. Uh, I just figured that basically if you don't say anything, chances are we'll read your, we read all the emails. We might not email you back. We'll probably just answer your question. Or if, if you're a listener, we would imagine that's why you're emailing us. We'll just talk about it on the mm-hmm. show. But if you just want a, a personal message and you don't want it on the show, just add that in. Just uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyone's personal. Um, now, as far as answering Joey that question, cool I have no answer because, as you know, I just read the cards. I really suck at playing, so I'm gonna let Hyven and Alamis take that one because um, <clears throat> I've got nothing. 
So we'll start with, I guess, the first section of that, Rose and Lumina. <clears throat> I did finish that quest. Uh, Rose and Lumina, as far as the weapons, I love them both. Rose feels really nice. Even before you fully upgrade all the perks, it just feels good. It's probably one of my favorite 150s. Like I enjoyed it in Crucible. Um, once you get it, once you finish, you can pull it out of collections as a fully upgraded version, and at that point, it gets a ranged masterwork, and it is the same archetype, feel, settings as Lumina and Thorn, but it has more range, so it is really, really consistent, and Rose is fun, um, and as far as Lumina, same thing, I have used it a lot, um, I prefer my good old-fashioned 140, um, my Awstringer is my, my baby, I armed a lot to try to get the perfect roll, and I got a close one. But I use Lumina a lot. Um, I think Lumina and Thorn both have a place. I think Lumina is better for team play, and I think Thorn more of a, a solo weapon um, because they really do the same thing. In, in a, and by same thing, I mean you get kills, you collect something, and then you either and you do increased damage. They all do that. But Lumina gives you the ability of also healing a, a friend and doing increased damage. So um, their personal preference, I use Lumina and Crucible a good bit. Had some fun. Um, I also went back and tried Thorn. They're both good weapons. I had a friend use Lumina in the Crown of Starlow raid on the second to last encounter. Um, and it was kind of funny because I was running around shotgunning things, punching things and groups of enemies, and he just kept healing me. So I had a little bit of fun with that. Uh, so as far as how the weapons perform, they're fun. As far as the story is concerned, it's pretty freaking awesome, man. Lumina, we got... We were given the original Thorn from Shin, like Dredge and Yours Thorn. Um, and we literally reverted it back to its original state of Rose and then crafted it into a weapon of light. So like the lore implications of taking like a weapon of sorrow and transforming it back down into its normal form and then making a weapon of light, it's pretty awesome. Um, the lore book talks about it, I do believe. I did not get to read all the lore book because I was just farming to try to get Lumina, so I didn't read them all yet. But uh, that was pretty awesome. Um, so that was kind of my thoughts on Lumina. So I'll let Elemis take over Rose Lumina. Uh, so like I mentioned earlier, I just upgraded my Rose. Like It has the last perk for it now, so I'm currently working on getting the Lumina. Um, but I have dived into the the lore aspects of it, and the lore book tied to the actual quest is amazing. Um, and it, just the implications, like we took a weapon of sorrow and cleansed it, and then we created a whole new class of weapons called a weapon of light. Like that implication right there is just it's so awesome. Yeah, and I think people people in the community have been waiting for this to happen. Like we've theorized it and stuff, so it's just so cool. Yeah. Um but I I really do love Rose. It is an amazing hand cannon. I have fun with it with it all the time. Um My fan theory was crushed of you know, the whole uh first curse. <laughs> I think I mentioned that before, but I, I do like what they did with it, so can't complain. I'm right there with you. I I like the fact that 
like we cleansed the original thorn. Yeah. And that the Lumina was not like Rose. Like it was they both had the same base weapon, Lumina and Thorn. They literally were the same weapon. It's pretty cool. I guess, yeah. you know, lore implications, why there's a lot of other thorns that have been created. We have the only first and only weapon of light, and it came from like <laughs> one of the first like weapons of sorrow that we kind of knew. So it's kind of cool. Oh yeah. All right, what about bad juju? So I started uh, Lumina. So I actually was able to get bad juju uh, yesterday, and it, like it feels better than D one. Yeah, it, it feels better than the bad juju from D one. I only used it in the uh, tribute hall to shoot the shooting range. I have yet to take it into PV or crucible. But you say it feels good. I trust you. <laughs> well, I'm like. Trusting me for Crucible, it, that that's a <laughs> deadly road because I I like I'm average <laughs> in Crucible, and that's on my good days. And since coming back from vacation, I am really out of it. Yeah, yeah. I mostly test my weapons out in PvP, but I've been playing Apex Season Two for my PvP. So other than a little bit of, I have not actually played a ton of Destiny this week. Um, basically, I got bad juju, and that was it. Um, I think me and Elemis both said we have about 36 tributes placed in the hall. Neither of us have the um, catalyst, catalyst yet. but basically it just makes it so String of Curses lasts longer, and I think that's just a good perk. And I saw someone say that it makes it, they thought, occasionally cause like the Thrall explosion. Huh. Um, so I, I saw a video of someone saying it makes large explosions similar to a Necrochasm. So that was like... a randomly sometimes i don't i don't i don't i did not tried that i've not seen that personally but if that is a hidden perk that would be kind of cool but yeah i think it's a great way to get super energy doesn't come back as fast so right but i think that's probably for the best yeah although i've watched people do some builds in pve and you can get like with certain builds you can get your super back in like 20 some seconds so pretty crazy wow with like for example like a hunter uh, bottom tree golden gun where precision hits you can stack and get more super energy back super mods and using celestial nighthawk where you get like 30 percent back of your super when you kill an enemy you can just pop off golden guns like crazy it's pretty pretty cool Jeez. yeah like i i haven't even started looking at builds or anything for it yeah and the fact that it you never have to reload it as long as you're getting precision hits too is really cool oh yeah well, and it's not even precision hits. Get just get a kill. I think it's yeah, it just kills. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm. I like. I'm glad that we got it. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably it for the secrets and special weapons and things that will be coming this season. Um, and I was satisfied so far with this season. Um, we still have me too some more things to do, and I think. At the end of the year, it always is like this. It's like a mad dash or a slow grind, depending on how you decide to do it, to finish like moments of triumph and uh, solstice of heroes. So I look forward to having a good rest of the, the month and a half of this season. Yeah. That's all for me. Hope that answered your stuff, Joey. Ms. Hyven, any thoughts on life? <laughs> life in general? No, no, but we don't have time for it. <laughs> does that does that sum up what you wanted from us? You know, I think well, we already ranted long so. enough. 
you're the host. You decide. Oh. Yeah, well then shut up and <clears throat> move on. All right. <laughs> I swear I really do love him, you guys. I feel like sometimes I listen back to our podcast and people are like, their marriage must suck. <laughs> right. But I really right? love him a lot. I mean it's because I love him that I mess with him. He's just extra sassy when we record. And she's like this in life, but specific <laughs> when we record. Oh, oh my I... God! Sorry, Elmas is typing in what you're gonna read. It just reminded me of collecting those fifty cows. Right. Well, right. Shut up, so I can read it. Gosh, sorry, right. it's unrelated. It was... To the topic, we're gonna get real sound bites soon, you guys. Not this crap. Okay, Barilla. The books of sorrow are essentially the Hive Bible. As written by Oryx. Oryx. Did not expect it to be spelled that way. <laughs> you make me laugh when you read straight from the show notes. I love it. What else am I supposed to say? I don't know. Would you really wish I deviated from these notes? I, I don't know. I actually, actually know. I actually don't know, honestly. <laughs> right? All right. And we obtained these lore readings. From calcified fragments found on the Dreadnought in Destiny 1. Whoa! I just deviated from the notes. It said D1, you guys. I said Destiny 1. Oh! <laughs> I, I think that makes this our first topic covered on Involving the Involving D1. Yeah. Destiny 1. Ooh! So this is, this is specifically Destiny 1 lower cards, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. But it has a lot of implications that we see right now. Yep, yep. And also the first story that was like in the uh the Destiny Grimoire anthology. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, Grimoire Anthology Volume Two is on for pre order now. I already pre ordered yep, it yep. and got the discount because I bought the emblem. I mean the Me emote in game. <laughs> Me too. Aww, you guys are so cute. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> we'll be covering this topic in five different separate episodes. So this should uh trying to think we're midway through july this should take us almost up to the uh new season i think we'll have maybe two weeks in between finishing this and the new season with destiny in september maybe three um but so this is going to get us quite a bit of the way there you guys um yep. so and, and if that's the along. case i'm thinking we'll probably depend on how how much this takes us we'll probably do like a uh one more like topic of choice from somebody and then maybe like the week before it'll be like a preparation slash spin foil about what's coming you know yeah. i think we, maybe we'll do like a summary of information that could be important for um shadow keep you know like heck Ares. we could do one on eris i was about to say do it on eris or do it on the moon as a location from like the d1 people who never played yeah the d1 location exactly um, if you hate that idea, let us know. If you love that idea, let us know. If you say nothing, we're definitely going to do that. So. <laughs> and these five episodes, as Ms. Ivan said, we, they are broken up by verses. There are um, five verses in the Books of Sorrow. So we're going to be doing them one verse a week. Because remember, we got the seventh verse in Book of Unmaking. Yes, that wasn't in my show notes, so I didn't know to tell you guys that. Sorry. 
All right, so let's get into our lore book reading. All right, so I will read our first verse of the Books of Sorrow. This is verse one, zero, the fundament. Dear sisters, it's taken me two years, quarter of our lives, but I've found the proof. We aren't native to the fundament. Our ancient ancestors came here to hide. The plate of stone we live on, our Osmian court, is one fragment of a rocky planet that crashed into fundament and broke apart. All the other nearby continents, the helium drinkers, the bone plaza, the star cutters, came from the same world. Perhaps the other races of the fundament are migrants too. We live on the shrapnel of our homeworld, floating on an ocean deep inside a gas giant. That's what fundament must be. Titanic gas planet. The endless storm above us must be one layer of the atmosphere. And the sea we float on, there's more down beneath it. So much more. You understand what this means, Sathona. The timid truth is a lie. We aren't meant to be the world's prey. We weren't born to live and die in the dark. We have a better destiny. Tell our father, Sister Sathona, this is the proof of his life's work. With love, for your second birthday, your first surviving sister, Arash. So they only live to be eight years old. That's yeah. traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are a very, very short living race. Yeah. And at this point, we don't have uh, the actual name. I know we said that this is the Hive's Bible. This is before the Hive existed. Um, so yeah, so this we'll is get the Pearl Hive. Yeah, we'll get their name later on. But yeah, short life. And this is, yeah, very just pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and this is starting off written by Arash. And basically, she's telling her sister that their planet is a lie. As the lowest species on the food chain, this is not their home world. They came here as part of a planet that kind of like crashed. And she speculates that the whole planet is just a bunch of migrants on this planet of fundament, a bunch of different species and things. A cabal of sorts, if you would. <laughs> oh, God. Not the form of the word. But yeah, that's kind of the setup. Um, and as we go into the books of Sorrow, it's going to talk about this journey, how they reach this. The thing I like is <clears throat> we're seeing this written from Arash to Sathona. Mm -hmm. As a birthday gift. Yeah. Yep. In comments like, tell our father that this is proof of his life's work. So they were trying to figure out a way to prove that the, you know this wasn't their planet. This eight years of life as bottom on the food chain is not like all that they were meant for. It's kind of what I felt from this. Yeah. You have anything to add, Mrs. Hyman? Um, no. I know just a hair bit about the Books of Sorrow because I did listen to the Folks Fire Chat episode on it. Um, but anything it's for all this very first confusing. one we just read, though? No. <laughs> so, just I guess things like you said. Sorry if it is confusing. Understand that the fundament um, is their planet. Got it. Um, 
the and as we'll get into then the next card, you have some races, the helium drinkers, the blown plaza, the star cutters. Um, those are yeah. all different. I know a little bit like and about like mothers and the jelly and not all people who eat the jelly can become mothers like they're supposed to. Well, that's not this card, so I guess we should probably move into all that stuff. That's the biggest thing I picked up on on listening to that. (laughs) Jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. Jellies and mothers. Right? (laughs) I want to be a mom. I'm going to go eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich. All right. Well, Elemis, would you like to take our second reading? Sure. All right. I'll be covering entry one, Predators. Verse 1-1. Predators. Predators and menaces carved to endure by Jiro, third surviving sister of the Osmium King's last brood. A storm joy. A storm joy is a living cloud. When it passes over our continent, it lowers its feeding tentacles. On each tentacle are the bait stars. Although light makes you happy, you must avoid it. You will be eaten. A storm joy is a good way for an old person to choose death. Also, a daring knight can cut the bait stars from the tentacles. I have six. Falling. If you fall off the edge of the continent, you will die in the ocean. This is a special hazard when our father, the Osmium King, uses the engines. Helium drinkers. The currents of the fundament ocean bring us near other continents. The helium core is near us now. They are of our species, but they are our enemies. Their knights raid us every day. Helium drinkers have two legs, two arms, and three eyes, just like us. But they are bright slash evil. I want to be a knight and fight them. The helium drinker ambassador ate ten of my sisters as tribute. This is normal. However, I resent it. Mothers. Mothers can fly. They live much longer than ten years. Mothers are extremely smart, and they guard their spawn. If you try to tamper with the eggs, they will eat you. Sathona wants to eat the jelly and become a mother when she turns four. Storms. The rain is often poisonous. Sometimes it dissolves flesh. When lightning misses the lightning farm, it can vaporize a person. This entire world is deadly to us. Mysteries. The fundament is very large. We are the smallest things in it. If you don't understand something, it will probably kill you. My teacher, Teox, says this is why we have such short lives. So we can breed and adapt quickly. Moon waves. My sister, Arash, is afraid of moon waves. When she gets back from her expedition to the tungsten monoliths, I will ask her why. Okay, so verse 1.0 was written by Arash, and it appears that 1.1... Uh, as it says, it's carved to endure by Shiro. Um, so this is 
by a different person. Uh, and basically, she, it's a, uh, there, there are three sisters. If you didn't catch, you have Arash, Sathona, and Shiro. And she's basically just describing a couple things about their planet. Uh, we learned about the Stormjoy, the eight stars, um, the danger of falling off of the continent, um, who the helium drinkers are. They are another uh, species. They are their species, but they're, they're enemies. Um, it's pretty sad. It says, uh, the helium drinker ambassador ate ten of my sisters as tribute. This is normal. However, I resent it. Um, so we learn that, once again, they're on the bottom of the food chain. Their people are basically sacrificed to them. Uh, the storms, there's poisonous rain. Um, not a great, and once again, you can fall off this planet, you can get eaten on this planet, you can get dissolved by acid rain on this planet. Uh, not so great. And then we have the fundament. Is that a, a flat planet? Flat uh, Earth <laughs> Right, that's exactly what I thought. No, you just die in the ocean. So well, that still... just seems like you were stupid. Well, but there. Well, with like acid you rain, you just kept walking into the ocean until you drowned. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that doesn't sound great. But as it said, this is a special hazard when our father, the Osman King, uses the engines, as we'll talk about. Um, and you know, earthquakes fall off. You'd fall into acid oceans, possibly. It's a crazy planet. It's fundamentally unsound. <laughs> exactly. That ties into, as she said, <laughs> mysteries. We are the smallest things in it. If you don't understand something, it will probably kill you. So, since you just said that you didn't understand there, Mrs. Hyben, you would already be dead on fundament. See yeah, that? You took okay for granted how easy it was to drown. I'm okay and we, with that. This is where we learned that their, their teacher, uh, Taox, or Tao, is, depending on how some people pronounce it, T-A-O-X, um, this is the person who gives, it's kind of like their teacher. Their father is the king. And I think of it like the three sisters have a, a tutor. Because yeah. their father's busy with kingly duties. Yep. Um, and then, of course, the moon waves. We're going to learn this is a big thing. Um, Arash is afraid of these, but she doesn't exactly know why. And then finally, I guess I think I skipped, but mothers, as Mrs. Hyven commented on, mothers can fly, and they live much longer than 10 years. That's pretty cool. You can, you can be longer living if you become a mother. Um, yeah, and Sathona wants to become a mother, and you do this by eating the mother morph jelly. And you can do this when you become four. So four is kind of like midlife. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, it's kind of like that, you, you, know, and, you know, here on Earth, we have different cultures where when you hit a certain age, you have like a, a ritual of like adulthood kind of thing. Um, and this yeah. is kind of for them. This is where they choose like their path in life. Granted, it's halfway through their life for most, which is sad, but it's like puberty. It's when they can become mothers. That's kind of weird. If you hit puberty when you were like 40 yeah. something. <laughs> This what? is an alien race, keep in mind. There's what? definitely... What? I thought... You're not paying attention to anything, though, remember? So... <laughs> Poor Mrs. Ivan is already confused. I'm sorry. What's, Ivan what's is relating it back to, to human life. But yes. human life has puberty at, like, 
13. I not know, but 40. And technically, once right. you start puberty, you can become a mother. You're just that's, no, that's what I'm saying. No, they no, can't no. become so, mothers until they're four, which is halfway through their eight year life cycle. So oh, you're like, saying halfway through our life cycle is like 40. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm following now. I just commented on it. It's very interesting. They commented on how mothers can live past 10. They live in dog years. Like as we learned in verse seven 1. Seven years for one year. Yeah. They really only live for roughly eight years. And halfway through that life is when they can become mothers. Yep. And to do so, you have to eat a specific jelly. It's not like that. everyone can become a mother. And we'll get into this. There's going to be a lot of interesting Peanut stuff. I feel like we should continue on uh, as to explain things better. Are you good to do that, Mrs. Hyven? You seem very uh, out of it this recording. I am out of it this recording, but I'll get there, you guys. All right, you're okay? Yeah. Elemist, Let's... anything you want to comment on for 1.1? Nope. Not I tried to just do a, a summary. All right. So, verse 1, 2. The hateful verse. And because I want to get some use out of my fancy cool anthology, I'm going to read from the book. Makes me feel special. For the consideration of the helium cord, written in desperation, this sealed secret, I am Teox, sterile mother, teacher to the children of the Osmian throne. As a mother, I live long. As a neuter, I can rise above the small battles toward politics. I alone see the patterns of survival. Alone, I designed the great engines that move the Osmium, Osmium court. Now, alone, I must act to save my kingdom. Senility has claimed my lord, the Osmian king. He is tin and mad. The study of ancient texts consumes him. Today, he raves about moons above the storm. Tomorrow, he will wander the halls, speaking to his familiar a dead white worm from the deep sea. He keeps it in glass, and he tends to it, and he neglects the duties of a king. The Osmium king has three surviving heirs, each two years old. Syro, the youngest and bravest, who wants to be a knight. Sathona, most clever, who wants to be a mother. Arash, navigator child, who dreams of the infinite ocean. Tomorrow, she will return from the Tungsten monoliths. None of these are suitable heirs. None of them will protect the Osmium court from the hollowing fundament. Shiro can fight, but not lead. Sathona can think, but not fight. Arash's curiosity will draw, draw her away from duty. I fear for all future children. Soon, the Osmian king will lock himself into the royal orrery to study the moons. Gather your knights, O helium drinkers, and invade our continent. Kill the three heirs. I will rule the Osmium court as your regent and build engines for you. And if I fail, let the Leviathan in the deep eat me. Written in grief, this hateful request, Teox, Osmian mother, neutered to watch. So that was weird. <clears throat> Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Um, Just a bit. First of all, I'd like to point out that the Osmium King has lived to 10, which I thought only mothers could do. 
so confused a little bit there. Mother's second of all, past ten. Ah, second of all, it says, and he's mad. So it just sounds like he's a grumpy old man. Yeah. Uh, well, we said their <laughs> average lifespan is eight, so it would be like someone who lived to like when they you know they hit that hundred year mark in our world. Like yeah. it's a, it's a big accomplishment. Yeah, exactly. He's but just usually a cranky old they're man. not all there sometimes. Exactly. He's a cranky old man yelling, "Get off my lawn! I'm gonna go study the moon." He's not as crazy as you think, though. Yeah. I would argue. We'll get to that. Um, and then we talk about his heirs, who are all two years old. And most of them got so... eaten, we found out before. Yes, exactly. Yes. So there's only three um, left. That's why it says Apparently three none of them, heirs. yeah, and none of them are suitable heirs. In Teox's opinion. Yes, exactly. And Teox. she states reasons why. Exactly. Which I, I don't know if I I don't like she says one of them can think but not fight. But if she can think and she's clever enough and she can figure out things, you know, she could have other people fight for her. Oh, that's you you know what you're right. saying, old girl. Just wait until we get through this book. <laughs> Oh, so God, that's yes. my thought there. That's so fitting the current destiny events that most people average don't even know about. Uh. <laughs> right. Well, then I guess I'll leave it there. Stop while I'm ahead. Yes. The one thing I want to note. Um, uh, Tomorrow he will wander the halls speaking to his familiar, a dead white worm from the deep. Yeah. So I feel like they're also plagued with the worms and the bones and the amakaras. Is that what we're saying? Yes. So this is the crazy part, though. The only reason we know about that stuff is from this book. So because we've already read this and this is from the past, we know a lot of what's happening. But yes, this is the first mentioning of the worm. Yep. And so we've talked about a lot of this stuff. But he has a dead worm. Claims it's dead. But he talks to it still. So, interesting. Talking to a stuffed animal. It's his buddy. Well, as you just said, bones that are dead can whisper from um, Kara. That's true. Maybe this thing's not completely dead. You know, it's not quite the same as an Amkara, but... But we never really know. Well, we've got spin-foil theories about that. We do. We do. We haven't gotten there yet. I think we can't until we yeah. get to... no. God. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no. The only thing I wanted to mention yep. is they claim he's crazy... However, keep in mind what he talks about. He, he raves about moons above the storm. Keep that in mind. Sounds crazy to her. We're going to find out later that these moons might not be as crazy as he thinks. And he apparently gets his information from this dead worm. So, Hayax thinks he's a crazy man talking to a stuffed animal. But as we'll find out later, <laughs> he might be getting actually valuable information from this thing, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. And also, Teox is a sterile mother, so she can live long. But she claims because she's not a mother, she is above the petty politics. And she sounds thinks that like she has... because she never got her babies. Maybe. She sounds like she, she thinks she knows she has what it takes to rule. And if you didn't catch, her plan is to ask the helium drinkers to come in and kill everyone. And then she'll rule as regent. I think we caught that. Pretty crazy. All right. <clears throat> Moving on to 1-3. The oath. Sisters, this is how an oath is done. Put your left hands on the mast close to mine. 
Take the knife in your right hand. Push it through your left hand, straight between the bones. Now, carve a bloodline down the mat. Speak your oath. I am Jiro, youngest daughter of the dead king. I will take back my Osmium court and kill the traitor, Teox. On my left eye, I swear vengeance. In blood oath is made. I am Sothonia, middle daughter of the dead king. I will take back my home and eat the mother jelly. I will raise my own spawn on the corpse of the helium king. On my right eye, I promise this. In the blood oath is made. Now, I will help make your oath, sister. I will help it too. I am Arash, first daughter of the dead king. I will chase my father's last screamed warning. I will know what changed the motions, motion of our moons. If the end of the world is coming, I will understand why. On my center eye, I swear it. I will understand. In blood oath, and blood the oath is made. In blood. Thank you, sisters. We have only my ship left to us. But a ship is freedom. We have secrets to hunt, storm-lit realms to explore, and great armies to raise. Put up the lightning sails, and we will voyage far. Dun, dun, dun. So, a lot of blood, a lot of oaths, um, but like it, it speaks true to the characters themselves. You know, Shiro is all about, oh, <clears throat> I'm going to go in and fight this one, fight the traitor. Sathona is like, I'll have my revenge by doing what I, I want out of life. And then Arash is just saying, yeah, I'll take my father's last warnings and I will chase them down. And I think that's so fitting because that is exactly how Teox described them. And they vow to be exactly what she said they were, but like successfully, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Shiro claims to fight. Sathona claims to be the thinker, but not do the fighting. She's going to have offspring to do her fighting. And Arash to explore just like her father did. So I think that's fitting. Yep. <clears throat> um, I had just one comment from the last card. I just feel like it's slightly important. Um, the Osmian king will lock himself in the ro- royal orary. I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce that word. But it is, de- yeah, it is described as a mechanical model of the solar system or just the sun, earth, and moon. Or in their world, it would probably be their planets. Used to represent their relative position and motions. So if you played D1 and you visited the speaker, you remember that giant contraption in his room? Maybe a little spin foil, but basically him and the Osmian King had the same thing. But you know what it is. Uh, that's probably where he would study like the star charts and the moons like moving and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Definitely. Yep, yep. And um but yeah, I guess Teox succeeded halfway. She killed their father, she killed the king. The um but she's got those pesky daughters to deal with. Yeah, but she didn't. Yeah, but the, they didn't. The uh, yeah, the everyone knows they didn't kill the king though. The royalty, you got to kill the whole bloodline. Come on, right? Yeah, man. Well, I mean, they tried. Otherwise, there's there's a chance for, for revenge and stuff. 
the helium drinkers didn't succeed. So let's move on. There's so much I want to like, I just feel like we can't, there's so much spin foil that I feel like only comes about after reading all of the cards. Am well, I, maybe you, you know what I'm saying? Another one of those episodes. Like it, we I, might I, have to do a, a sixth episode then. I almost feel like episode. you need to read them and do a quick overview because after you read everything, I feel like you can come back to each of these verses and discuss them in like so much more detail. And I'm trying not to. I mean, that's kind of what we're going for, right? A, only describing what's happening as it's happening. Yeah. I know Mrs. Hyven is supposed to be the one who doesn't have like the full knowledge of the, the whole story and she's supposed to be our in-the-moment person. But it's so hard for me to... to... Well, considering uh, these are like a, a Bible text, you know, it's, it's... You have to see the grand picture to be able to actually understand it completely. Yes. And that's perfect. So I guess that's what to keep in mind. <laughs> we just need to wait. We'll, we'll go over the grand picture. To get there. Mrs. Hyven, anything that you're confused or have questions about? Because this is one of those D1 fundamentals that really needs to be understood and yeah, no, so far of... i think i'm okay like the first two kind of confused me but then the last one had a little more explanation because it was more like straight conversation like straight talk and this one because of the last one i understand this one as well um i think as long as i can keep all the players straight i'm also not distracted by my phone anymore <laughs> i would say that the, the reason the first one is a little confusing is because it's written by arash in the future like describing how she's found some of the answers, mm -hmm. but it's it's kind of like the setup. So that's why it kind of doesn't quite make sense yet, um, but it will later. Gotcha. Well, and and I don't even think that that's actually written by Arash in the future. I think it's more like she wrote it while at the Tungsten Mountains. That's true. She found the answers before she came back to this craziness kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I think you're right about that, actually. But, like, even now, after reading these two cards, I understand, like, who Arash is, how she's an explorer, and all of that. Where I didn't realize that when we first read it. Yeah, in my mind, she was gone when she wrote that. She wrote that as a, as a, as a gift to her sister. And, obviously, when she still thought her father was alive. And, like, in my mind, she came back to, like, all this craziness happening. And that's yeah. when the three sisters were like, we're about to but do this. Was. But as we see later... Orash is going to be like, hey, I have some knowledge that we can use to enact our revenge. Yep. Um, who has our next card? Who gets to read this? I do. All right, pronounce that for me. Syzygy. 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 Anybody want to try and see that as an actual word? Nobody knows that actually. Oh, it's, it's actually a word because it's been used in a couple different pieces of literature that I've I've yeah. read and and so I guess, searching it. Yeah, it is a conjuring or opposition, especially of the moon with the sun. The plants were aligned in syzygy. And that sentence is basically the perfect definition of what's gonna happen here. Yep. So first one four. Syzygy. The syzygy. Carved to endure by Arash, the High Vengeance. Only Shiro's bait stars let us escape. Only Sathona's tricks let us reach the coast. 
But now that we have my ship, I must lead the way. I am the navigator. We may never see our homes again. Shiro seethes with hate and fury for Teox. But this is my deepest fear. Our civilization drifts on the fundament. At the tungsten monoliths, I learned that thousands of other species drift with us, coexisting on a vast world sea. And the tides of the fundament move us all. The timid truth says that we are the smallest, most fragile things alive, the natural prey of the universe. Teox would have us believe that our ancestors came to the fundament to hide from the hungry void. My father died afraid. Not of vile Teox or the helium drinkers, but of his orrery. He screamed to me, Arash, my first daughter, the moons are different, the laws are bent. And he made the sign of a syzygy. Imagine the 52 moons of fundament lining up in the sky. It wouldn't take all 52, of course. Just a few massive moons, but this is my deepest fear. Imagine their gravity pulling on the fundament sea, lifting it into a swollen bulge. Imagine that bulge collapsing as the syzygy passed, a wave big enough to swallow civilizations, a god wave. I have to find a way to stop it before the god wave annihilates my species. If I could only get back into my father's orrery, I could learn exactly when. We are weeks of travel and many continents away from home. When I'm paralyzed by fear, Shiro sits in the cabin with me and comforts me with soft, brave words. But more and more, we have come to rely on Sathona's wit. She will go off to be alone. She insists she must be alone and return with some mad idea. Steer into the storm. Throw down a net. Eat that strange beast. Explore that menacing wreck. Somehow, Sathona seems to manufacture good luck by sheer will. So there's a lot of good stuff in here. Oh, yeah. I actually want to start from the end and move forward. Uh, because Mrs. Hyven just commented so perfectly. When you said that, like, some of these sisters' characteristics weren't horrible, like, you were literally describing how they are going to prove Teox wrong. Um, I just love, once again... You talked about Sathona's intellect, having other people fight for her. It's perfect right here. Oresh brought back a ship, and Shiro kept them alive with some of her fighting, her uh, bait stars. But the person who's giving him that information is Sathona. I almost said a different name. <laughs> it comes later. Um, yeah. And we see that she goes alone to think up these crazy plans. She'll just say she'll she'll come back with information that's keeping them alive to to steer this way into the storm, to throw down their neck this way, to eat this weird thing, explore this wreck. And it seems like she's manufacturing goodwill, good luck by sheer will. Keep that in mind because we're gonna figure out worm. She's gonna figure out how we're gonna figure out in a, a little later how she knows and how she's doing some of this stuff. But I think as she's I 
As I said before, teddy bear. Uh, Arash came back with information. She knew that what really killed her father was not the helium drinkers, but he was fearful, mad already, and it was because he knew it was going to happen. In his orrery, he studied and found out that it didn't have to be all of them, but at some point, all, they have 52 moons. Remember, this is a planet mostly of water with a couple like floating chunks of an old world basically as their continents, right? It's a water planet. 52 moons are going to align. Now, you know that our tides are controlled by our one teeny moon. Imagine what could happen if 52 large moons control the water. Basically, they could form a wave large enough to destroy all life on this planet. And they're referring to that as a god wave. And that is what her father was truly scared of. She knows it's going to happen. She doesn't know when. She would love to get into the orrery to find out. But unfortunately, you know, it, when a coup takes place, you can't get back into the kingdom. This would be something in a movie where they have to go on a daring mission to get back in and find a special piece of information kind of thing. But as she says, they're so far away, uh, weeks of travel and many continents away from home. So that's kind of an overview of what the plan is, what she learned, and how all the sisters are involved in keeping them alive. That's my take. I think it was a good take. Yeah. Oh, you guys. Good explanation. Yeah. I mean, it, th this entry was more explanation than anything. It really was. Uh, the only thing, and I think this comes up later, is remember at the first card we learned, or second card we learned about uh, bait stars, how a storm joy, don't quite know what that is yet, but we do know that they have a bunch of tentacles with bait stars on them. And then if you're daring enough to not get eaten by the bait star, you can cut them off. It doesn't kill them. Apparently they stay alive because uh, Shiro has a bunch of them and she uses them to help her fight. So that's just kind of interesting that she literally owns... We don't know exactly know what they are. She owns something that helps her right. fight. And I know that there's some theories. It's been so long. I can't remember exactly what the Stormjoy and the bait stars are, but I think we'll get into that later, maybe. That was the only thing there that might be kind of odd. It's Cyro has some fighting techniques that are working for her. Sabathun's got tricks, and Orish has a ship and knowledge. Cool. Yep. Am I the next reader? You are. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some deepness. Verse 1-5. Needle and worm. My secrets. Carved in my code by Sathona. The right eye vengeance. One. This year of wild voyaging. These lightning nights and golden days. These forays into ancient wrecks and windblown flights from monsters. These are the happiest times of my life. Two. I want to be a mother. Not because I want to spawn. Because I want long life. Long enough to make a difference. We have been at sea a year, and I am afraid, afraid we will die out here. Three, I know where to find secrets. I know where vast, slow things with long memories live. Four, the needle ship. The needle ship, carved in my code by Sathona. A liar. One, we salvaged the needle from the Shuvubi maelstrom. I knew it would be there. Two. The needle is a gray ship, as long and slender as hope. 
as unbreakable as time and old, older than death. It tumbled through the maelstrom before our ancestors crashed into the fundament. This is not a sea ship like Arash's. It is an artifact of high technology. 3. I know its purpose. I know what happened to the crew. 4. Shiro wants to sell the ship at Kaharnatol, where species gather, at auction. It would earn us enough wealth to hire mercenaries. We could retake our osmium court and send the baby-eating helium drinkers screaming into the ocean. 5. But I told Shiro the ship was worthless. 6. Arash wants to open the ship and see if we can take command of it. I know this is the right thing to do. I know because I asked the worm. The worm. Carved in my coat by Sathona. Who should be afraid? 1. It was my father's familiar. I ripped it from him as we fled. It is a dead white thing. Segmented, washed up from the deep sea. 2. It's dead, but it still speaks to me. It says, Listen closely, O vengeance mine. Oh my god! I, I messed up so many times because I'm so excited. I was right, I was right, I was right, I was right. Alright, Ms. Hyven, go over the points. Let's start with secrets. I was right. Isn't that all that matters? Is that all you have to say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that's all that matters. Oh, yeah, that's right? all that matters. Pretty much. Um, no, okay. So, uh, blah, 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 blah. Should we break this down? It's in three sections, so... Um, I would like to know more about this needle ship of which they speak. Do we learn more about that? We do. Okay. Uh, only thing I would say before I, I have that... more, like, I want to get more information right oh, now sure. than, like, definitive <clears throat> comments. Right. Well then, Elmists, I just read, and everyone's tired of me talking. Do you want to kind of do like an overview of what's happening? I guess in these like three sections. I guess to start with the first one, and we'll kind so, of go through the first section. Just talking about secrets, and it's Sathona, the thinker. So I mean, big shocker there. Uh, <laughs> I will say, sorry, one second. In regards to that, I like how she was like, "I don't want to be a mom just because I want to spit out kids." She's like, "I need more time in my life to get I done." Yeah, I and that's the crazy that. thing, though, because they don't live very long, and they've already wasted a year, and they haven't enacted their revenge yet. Yeah, right. Uh, it's so like she's talking about how this is actually the happiest time of her life. I just imagine them, the three of them voyaging on this ship. They're just it's Sea of Thieves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sea of Hive. They're exploring. <clears throat> uh, but then she talks about, like Mrs. Ivan said, you know, I. I want to be a mother just because I want to live longer. I want to live long enough to make a difference. And she talks about how she uh, knows where to find secrets and then she goes into talking about the needle ship. Real quick, am I, have I missed something or have they not named this race yet? They haven't named it yet. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, so she basically says that while this is the best time of her life, I love how she's like, but we're running out of time, and I know where we can get the answers. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, and then she talks about the ship. Um, 
there's a description of the ship. They talk about where they found it. Yeah, and it comments I thought it was interesting. It was on their planet before it crashed into Fundament. Like, this is old, old. Yeah. Uh, the thing that, that is kind of creepy to me is right here. I know its purpose. I know what happened to the crew. And we don't really figure that out. She just doesn't, yeah. doesn't comment on what that was. It's because the worm was on that ship originally. It's calm down, no. But <clears throat> no, it's just <laughs> one of those things where it's like... She's focused it, on the worm. Yeah, it, I, I feel like it's one of those things. It's like, I know the answers, but we don't need to go into details. It's like, that one's not pertinent to this. But that plays into Sathona's personality. Like, yeah. you know, she's about thinking Secret and thing. secrets and tricks. Yeah. Yep, and I, I love, though, like, <laughs> Shiro know. is like, we'll sell us for money, and then she lies, and, is, and, and then, you know, they will hire mercenaries. Like, uh, she's thinking very, very short-term, like, we'll hire mercenaries, they'll kill these people, and we'll get our revenge. And then she's like, no, no, that's not the best idea. Let me just tell them it's not worth anything. And then Orash, is, of course, the, the explorer is like, let's go in there and see what's in there. And of course, she's like, check, that's exactly what I'm kind of manipulating you guys into doing. Mm -hmm. And then the biggest part that, that Mrs. Hyven stuck on and... The bombshell, I because guess. Because I was right. You were. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it's the biggest bombshell. The worm. It, it's dead, but it still speaks to me. It says, listen closely, oh, vengeance mine. Uh, yeah, I don't. You depending on how much lore you know, you've probably heard that 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 actually it's in game some too. But that oh vengeance mine, oh whatever mine, that is a saying that comes about quite often, and it's usually linked to Ahamkara. Um, although it's also been said by Callus. Um, it it's. I think Callus does it because he's just mocking us. I think so, but I think he's necessarily not. But I think he knows what it comes from. But either way, it, it is so far. It's it's linked although in all I, of the Amkara um, cards. Although that's, I do have a theory on Callus, but that, yeah, that we'll get to we that can talk about later. But it is safe to say that in our in our Grimmer cards in D one, anything that had a piece of armor that was Amkara related, uh, or those bones that whispered, they always say "Oh, oh, bearer mind, oh, vengeance mind." Um, so. This this worm is somehow linked to to that, um, and this is why she knew everything. All those like convening in secret and then coming back with answers. She was talking to this dead worm that wasn't completely dead. And she's totally like a little bit like cunning, like not that it's a horrible thing to do, but her like last act was to take this thing from her dead father and like run off. Because she yep. knew that it was being helpful to her father. Yeah. And she knew if they were going to get their station and position back and help all of their people, she needed what was helping him. She's and we smart. see it is, a, it, it is washed up from the deep sea. That's important. And when she says segmented, I just imagine it's kind of like a, like a little grub. It's got those little segments. Yeah. You know when they crawl? They like accordion. And that kind of explains kind of its shape. And we've seen something that kind of looks that in some sh under the ocean in Titan. But, uh, yeah. It also looks like the... Yeah, never mind. I, I'm not gonna... It looks like a couple things that we've seen in Destiny. Yes. Yes, it does. Because 
it's good that you stopped there because we've got spin foil theories on that. Exactly. All right, all right. Man, that's good stuff. Is oh, yeah. I think we're done. Do it. <clears throat> Do you, though? I don't know. All right. One, six. Sisters. Keeping all the sisters. Okay. Anyway, sister, that was sister. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Except there's three, so you have to say it three times. Um. <laughs> Anyways. Sisters. One, six. A register of tokens and gestures exchanged before the end of sisterhood. Jiro, my brave sister, you have worked too hard to move the carcasses out of the birthing room. Come, steer the ship for a while. Take joy in what our needle can do. Jiro tried to protest, but secretly, she was glad for our ashes. <clears throat> Let me do that again. Jiro tried to protest, but secretly, she was so glad for Arash's care. She flew the needle ship in cutting circles down beneath the sea, and their wake rose up to the surface like a traitor's dying breath. Arash, lonely navigator, we have traveled so long with only each other. I know you love to hear and speak new tongues. Come, sit in the flesh garden room. I will read you those stories I brought I bought at Karan. Arash sat among the mummified flesh fans with two of her eyes closed and listened in silence to the Sathona's stories, hungry to understand, voracious to know as much as she could before her ten-year life died. Later, Jiro said, Sathona, cutting mind of ours, you grow lonely in your thoughts. Play swords and lanterns with me. But Sathona was heavy with sorrow and couldn't pretend any joy as she chased Zero through the needle's glistening halls. Sathona, pensive one, what is it? What troubles you? Her sisters listened as Sathona said, oath-bearing siblings, we are five years old. For two years we've worked to repair this ancient ship and understand its systems. I am almost too old for the mother jelly, and the knights who killed our father are surely dying of age. We three will die here in exile. Teox will outlive us, and Arash, brilliant-eyed Arash, you will die of old age long before you have proof of your godways or any way to stop it. Arash and Jiro looked at each other. I wish you weren't so honest. Jiro said, and Arash thought that Sathona had never been wrong. In her soul, Arash knew that the only way to keep their oath was to find a great, powerful secret. A secret that could change everything. This was Arash's soul, her fire and her shadow. Her desire to cut through the flank of the world and find its beating heart. We have to dive, Arash said. That's what this ship is built to do. Dive into the fundament, the world below us, towards the core. That's where the ancient crew died so obscenely, Jiro protested. That's where the atrocity in the birthing room was born. We have to dive, Sathona said, following the whispers of her familiar. And the world beneath us, and the metallic depths, 
I hope we may find what we need most. More time, more life. So, like, we're able to see that Sathona's playing them. To a degree, I would say she's playing them. But I think if she knew all the answers right away, she wouldn't have waited two years trying to figure out stuff about the ship. Right. But I think so a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're getting ready to uh, actually dive into the ocean of the fundament. Yeah. I love how this card starts, too. And it's really just kind of describing, as we said, they had, they had a year traveling on the surface of the world, just traveling around. And now it sounds like they've spent two years kind of just under the water in the shallow area, not too deep, just trying to figure out how this ship works, they say. I th- find it funny it starts. It's basically, Gyro, you've spent way too long trying to clean up the bodies in the other room. Come fly for a while. Have some fun. And she's like, okay. And then Orash is, like, stressed from, you know, navigating and flying for so long. And then I love how Sathona's like, come, you like hearing stories about ancient tongues and languages and races. Let me read you some stories. So then she, Sathona gives Orash story time. And then... Later on, Shiro says, hey, let's go play a game. And they play a game, even though Satona's really not, heart's not into it. And then that's when she gets, like, forlorn and sad. And then that's when they ask her what's wrong. But I just love that, like, while there's some dark stuff, they're fixing this ship all by themselves and cleaning up bodies. They still sound relatively young. They're, they're playing yeah. games. They're running through the hallways playing swords and lanterns. Um, well, and at this point, they're only five <clears throat> years old. Yeah, I mean, it is half their life, I guess, but to me, they just have, like, such a young quality. Yeah. It's weird. You know, like I said, like, in, in our ages, it's, like, halfway through their life, might be, like, 45 or something like that. But I feel like, you know, their time frame is much weirder. Like, four to five is when they take their new forms. I almost feel like for them, that is, like, puberty age. I feel like they're, like, young. They're, they're basically, like, young teenagers right now. And yeah. but for the, for them, their life goes by so fast that, you know, Sathona says, "We've wasted two years. We're gonna die here," because she's never wrong. They're like, oh, "Why do you got to be so honest? We got to do something." And then that's when they decide to dive. Now, I love how she knows what happened to the crew. It sounds like she's maybe told them something, or they figured it out on the ship. But basically, basically, all the dead bodies and carcasses and some type of atrocity, the, the crew's dead because of they dove too deep. And that's what all of the death in the birthing room is, including some type of atrocity that was born. I find that very interesting. And as we go in, I think that this original crew went down to the depths the same way the three sisters are going to, only maybe their choice was different. Or after they made their choice, they realized that they didn't want to follow that. And they kind of like ended everything. And ultimately, as we go in, I think the original crew maybe saved themselves a lot of heartache by just killing everyone. That's kind of my take on it. Yeah. We'll get into it. It reminds me of like the movie Alien, where they're all infected, so they just kill the whole crew. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I think that's kind of like goes into what we'll understand later. All right. So uh, let's just continue moving on. Unless Mrs. Hyven has something to say. All right. 
I will be covering verse 1-7, the dive. For life, Sathona dove. For vengeance, Shiro dove. And Arash dove to understand. The needle ship pierced the skin of the world and burrowed deep. Through layers of foam and metal and cold elemental slush, Arash devoured the ship's maps of fundament. From the high angelic cloud decks, down and down through the storms and oceans and plates of floating world, into the crush of the core. They met monsters of continental scope, vast anemones uh, that raised glowing tentacles to bait them in. Shiro flew the needle ship through them, and they bled black carbon jelly and frost. They came to a still place beneath a plate of metal. I'll use the sensors, whispered Arash. Listen. In the wet, gold dark of the helm, they listened to the ship, and the ship listened to the crushing motions of fundament. They heard the collision of continents. They heard the patter and the crash of helium-neon rain. They heard the struggles of monsters, and they heard the distant groan of the ocean rising, tugged by distant moons. The syzygy is real, Sathona hissed. It's already begun. Behind them, Shiro thought of the birthing room, where ancient explorers had labored over surgeries and administrations, peeling back the chrysalis and the call of that which they had made from the deep, whose birth none of them would survive. There's something down here, she whispered, something secret. And the Leviathan loomed over them, its brow as huge all the continents of their childhood, its great array fins crackling with the lightning of its life, booming into the hull of the needle ship in a microwave voice. You must turn back. Save yourselves from the deep. Save the world from yourselves. You must turn back. So they commented on the needle ship was different than their original ship. Uh, to me, it's like a deep sea submarine. Slash, if you've ever seen the movie, like yeah. the core, the big train that like blasts through the core to get into the center of the earth kind of thing. Um, regardless, it's able to cut through the depths, stand extreme pressure, uh, as they go, they see monsters that are huge. They f swim through giant jellyfish that have tentacles and try to bait them in. Um, just like imagine, like, have you ever seen a, a documentary on like deep sea life? All of the animals that like use like lights and things to bring in their prey and that kind of stuff. I imagine that just on a grander scale. This planet is old. It's. I would be so so interested just to learn more about mysteries and the life that is on this planet because it sounds crazy how all these different right. species uh, you ever watch like river monsters and you learn about how large some fish can get at the deep oceans and rivers you know without like anything there to bother it well we have continental sized beasts that live under this ocean and this planet is mostly just ocean so it's it's just crazy to me imagining some of this stuff um but they know that they need to go deeper and deeper and then they comment on how they can tell that the oceans are pulling. 
that the syzygy is real, that it's already starting to happen. And then they talk about how basically the sounds like scientists in the birthing room of the ship perform surgeries on something, looking into it, until eventually whatever it was that birthed, it almost sounds like everyone died. Also, hold up, just real quick. That birthing room sounds nasty. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. people... Like flesh-covered, like... Yeah, basically, it's like I said, it's like the movie, it's like Alien, Alien vs. Predator, if you've ever seen any of that. They basically found, they got this something, we don't know what it is yet, this chrysalis, they opened it up, whatever birthed out of it, nobody survived. This room's probably like a massacre, it's whatever Gosh. happened in there, everyone's dead, and there's this abomination that was birthed from this thing. All kinds of ew in that last paragraph. Yeah. And then they, they and the crazy <laughs> exactly. thing is they they know that they found this somewhere in the deep because that's what this ship is for. And they're going to figure out what it is. So like if that's not if they're not desperate at this point, like keep that in mind that these why they sound like they're making thoughtful decisions, they're desperate. Which is why if you've anyone else who's ever if I'm sure a lot of our listeners already know a lot about the books of sorrow. But we're going to talk a lot about later, you know, about how eventually what they find is not all exactly what they what they hoped they would find. Um, not exactly maybe the best choices were made, uh, but we, we, you know, we'll get into that. But, it's, but, but before they can get too deep, they find a giant monster that is bigger than the continent they lived on. Yep. Called the Leviathan. Now, that is not the Leviathan that... Callus flies around on. Um, it's referring to something different. How it's, although it is kind of crazy that Callus does fly around on a giant leviathan, which looks like a giant fish ship. Um, and I, I have a theory about that relating to, back to the Books of Sorrow. And once again, we can talk about that when we talk about uh, yep. the because remember the leviathan's going to come up later also. Um, yep. And then it does mimic something similar. Uh, but right now, they basically meet this giant thing underneath the ocean that warns them to turn back um, from the deep, save the world from yourselves. You must turn back. So this thing is warning them, don't go down there, because what you're going to find is only going to bring death to you and the whole world. Yeah. I just wanted to touch base on how gross the birthing room sounded. Yeah, yeah. So then, then this moves perfectly in. They just met the Leviathan, so the Leviathan has some information for them. Actually, hold on. Time on. I lied. You just said it's not the same Leviathan we know as the Leviathan. Is that correct? I just want to make sure I'm following. It did. Are you familiar with Callus's Leviathan? Sort of, kind of. Familiar enough, world familiar enough and to know world that this <clears throat> didn't seem like it was supposed to correspond. Yeah, and like we said, we have some. Right. There are some theories and things, but they're not the same leviathan that's we'll find out later okay that sounds good but it is weird that his ship resembles maybe a species that's similar to this kind of thing you know uh, but we'll that's a spin foil kind of thing we'll get into all that later yep all right with talk of the leviathan let's move on to verse one eight leviathan we live on the edge of a war a war between formless and form, between 
the deep and the sky. My eyes are wide. My gaze is long. Across the universe, as far as I can see, the sky works to, change, to charge its fires. And the deep drowns the ash. Sky builds gentle places, safe for life. Beloved fundament, region of trillions. The sky treasures this rich place. But the deep is here with us. Cold logic tests our walls. The deep claims its dominion, a ruthless final age. Arash's protest. Old Leviathan, creature of myth, this world is no refuge. We live short, hard lives. We die in the dark. The storm above us will never end, and soon the God wave will take us all. Above us, there are only storm joys, monsters, and moons of apocalypse. Let us go down, down, where we may discover truth, some power to avenge ourselves upon our betrayers, some hope of survival. The Leviathan's Hope What power calls you down to the deep? What instinct draws you away from high hope? Quick breeding krill people, I tell you, for eons I have watched your struggle, clinging to the sharp edge of survival, balanced between the deep and the sky. You were my treasure, my proof against despair. For this is the deep calm. Existence is the struggle to exist. When the struggle seems lost, when the safe place crumbles, Everything turns to deep to survive. I reject the deep claim. You will turn back, sweet krill of hope. You will choose the sky instead. Shiro's protest. You are huge and old. Our lives are short and desperate. If that's the way the world's supposed to be, I won't have it. If people like Teox are supposed to win, I won't let them. I'll Beat the world until it changes. I'll kill anything in the way. The Leviathan's Dirge. This fatal logic. Hear my monopole scream. It will consume you. Before your lies, the worship of death, the ruinous path. The sky builds new life against the onset of ruin towards a gentle world. The deep embraces death, saying, This is inevitable and right i exist as hungry ruin turn back from the world killing way or you will live as death and devastation the sky is the harder way but it is kinder my charge is balanced my voice exhausted sathona's protest sisters i have my father's familiar look it answers me in plain words it helped me find this ship. It gives me strength when hope is lost. Who will you trust? A voice that wants us to live and suffer as we have lived and suffered? The Leviathan that offers no hope against Teox or the world wave? Or the plain, honest worm? Let us see where its whisper leads us, Arash. Let us go deeper, Shiro. Let us dive, O oh sisters mine. She's talking like the worm. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. So basically, it's just a 
bunch of warning and a bunch of protest. Yeah. Uh, but did you get what the Leviathan is telling them? His warning? All I understood was like, yeah, I'm older down here, but like it's harder down here and death is like more inevitable down here. Not necessarily. No, he's not actually saying that they're going to die. He's saying that up on the top, he's comparing the sky and the deep. Um, One could argue he's even describing the light and the dark. Um, Won't go into that too much. But he tells them that the sky, while it's dangerous and harder, it's friendlier, it's better, whereas the deep doesn't just lead to death. It leads to death and devastation, world killing. Um, So he's basically comparing the sky and the deep. And he tells them why their existence is a struggle in the sky. It is much friendlier. That what they're seeking in the deep, while they think it can solve their problems that is just going to lead to more problems um i also appreciated that he was like why are you coming down here what's told you to do that because i was like it's a worm exactly and so how about you elements i think there's a lot you can a lot of takes you can get from the leviathan here we got their the actual name of their people the krill did yes we finally got that uh, quick breeding, quick krill people. Um, the other take that I, I had was it's talk of the deep and the sky. And we see that uh, actually mentioned in the Dreaming City in the Blind Well. Yes, we do. The buffs. You get. Yep, the buffs. <clears throat> Whenever you're outside the bubble. It's actually a menagerie get- too. Well, the menagerie one is is actually a play on yeah, blind on well. Blind well. Um, but whenever you're outside the bubble, you always get the the buff that talks about the deep, and then when you're inside the the bubble, like you get the sky. one that talks about the sky. And I I just find it funny because the one for the deep slowly kills you. <clears throat> And I'm drawing parallels with this story. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I compared it to the light and the dark. Um, and remember, who, who has the blind well? Uh, you know, it, it's Mara. And she seems to know a lot of stuff about the past and a lot of answers yep. to things. So. Anyway, uh, last thing I wanted to point out. Sathona is, is arguing, you know, hey, I have... The worm. Yeah, she finally tells them. I think this is the first time they know. Yeah. Or the first time that we know that they know. That was the first time she's... I think no, she. I think she sees... She's a little desperate. She straight out tells them because the Leviathan is trying to change their mind. Right. So, like, she's telling them, hey, I have the worm. Who are we going to trust? This worm that talked to Dad or this huge thing Myth- that... And it's something they know about. They call it like a mythol... Uh, what are they... Either way, remember Teox mentioned the Leviathan? And they say somewhere that this, like, Leviathan is like something of myth. I just think that's kind of semi-important because they are basically comparing this, this thing of myth or this dead worm that has led us for these like three years successfully. Yeah. And also like led their father too. 
feel like she pulls out the heartstrings with being like, Dad loved this thing. It was she also calls it the plain there. honest. They describe it as the plain honest worm. Um, while the Leviathan talks kind of in riddle, she says that the worm is plain and honest. They have nothing to, to fear. They should listen to it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and yeah, but now she starts, she starts saying, oh, sister's mine. She's using that same talk. Yep. Um, so she's definitely full-on influenced by this worm. And it's funny <clears throat> because the manipulator is being manipulated. Right. That's what I find funny, too. Like, the really smart one is the one that's being manipulated by it. Yeah. Wait, should I move on to number yep. nine? Just keep in mind the conversation of the depth, the deep in the sky, and how Leviathan warns them that why where they're coming from is harder, that they have nothing but despair in front of them if they continue on. Um, so let's see what they do. All right. <clears throat> so one nine, the bargain. You are Arash, heir to the Osmium throne. You stand on the naked hull of an ancient ship. You stand exposed to the crushing pressure and ferocious heat of the deeper fundament. It should annihilate you. It is by my will alone that you survive. I am Yule, the honest worm. Behold my passage. Behold my vast displacement, my ponderous strength, my great and coiling length my folded jaws and curled wings. Behold the hiving cities, symbiotic with my flesh. I am fecund, Arash. I am at the beginning and end of lives. Behold, Ir and Zol and Ur and Akka, the virtuous worms. Look upon us and know that we are good. For millions of years, we have been trapped, growing, in the deep. From across the stars, we have called life to fundament, so that it might contend against extinction. For millennia, we have awaited you, our beloved hosts. Against you stand the cruel Leviathan and all the forces of the sky. They would crush you down into the dark. They have arranged their moons to drown you in fear of your potential. We want to help you, princes. We offer to each of you a bargain, a symbiosis. Take into your bodies our children, our newborn larvae. From them you shall obtain eternal life. From them you shall gain power over your own fragile flesh. The power to make of it as you will. And should you find an imperfection in the world, an injustice or inconvenience, you will have the power to repair it. Let no mere law bind you. We ask one thing in exchange, O oh princes. You must obey your nature forever. In your immortality, Arash, you may never cease to explore and inquire for the sake of your children. In your immortality, Zero, you may never cease to test your strength. In your immortality, Sathona, you may never abandon cunning. If you do, your worm will consume you. And as your power grows, O oh princes, so will your worm's appetite. We offer eternity 
Arash. We offer you a chance at the universe. Would you deny your people infinity? Reach up to me. Let my flesh be your sacrament. So. Mm -hmm. This is the Faustian deal. Yep. These are the, the five worm gods that the hive actually pray to. Um, and, and it's funny because we've killed one of them. Don't, don't kill it. Don't go into it yet. <laughs> right. No. Like anybody who's played knows about the strike that we kill Zol. Yeah. I'm just saying don't mention the other one. And also right, Zol's not, right, right. we know that Zol's not actually dead because Zol talked to us and the whisper of the worm mission. Well, and, and even then, like, but we've interacted with them. You saw something yeah. that we at some point think was Zol, whether or not it was actually Zol or some form of Zol. When you're dealing with hive gods and hive and things like that, deaths are not always final. So, right. Yeah. Well, and and yeah. especially like going into the whisper of the worm bit, like the hive in their death, they tend to be turned into weapons. Get stronger sometimes. And well, come back and then we keep feeding them because we use the weapon to kill. Yeah, that's how Whisper the Worm works. That lore in Whisper the Worm is kind of cool. Yeah. But anyway, that aside, um, it's it's more smooth talking from the worms. It seems like, like Yule Yeah, they're offering the, eternity. Like, uh, Yule is definitely seems like the leader of the Somebody who only has an 8-10 to 10 year life. And yeah. Uh, like Hyven was saying, it, it sounds like Yule is the leader of the worms. Um, Yule, the honest worm. And nothing he said there was a lie. He doesn't lie to them. I would argue okay. that he doesn't lie to them but ever. my thinking real but... quick. My thought. Do you mm. think, because it talks about the worm consuming them, like if they go against it. So we were talking we'll talk about, about potentially that. the crew making that decision and actually taking that worm and then them all deciding to just kill themselves because they can't, like, deal with this anymore. Do you think that whatever it was that they were studying that was in that chrysalis was actually one of them consumed by their worm? That's my thought. My theory on that is that they went there and got a similar thing. They took a worm and that it, it this is why I compare it to Alien, that it did go into one of them. And whatever came out was so hideous that everything in that room just didn't go well. Either they were killed by it, they, they, they wouldn't accept the worm once they saw what happened. It killed them. Regardless, fortunately for everyone... Everyone in that room died, but I think they received a similar deal. Maybe they weren't strong enough mentally to, maybe they didn't have the drive to handle everything. You know what I'm saying? But I think, yes, I think they were given the same opportunity and just circumstances ended very differently for them. That could be it. Um, and yeah, so I was going to, something we mentioned that uh, we looked up the word you know, for fecund. Uh, Yule says, I am fecund, Arash. So she says that she is, or it is plentiful, um, very fertile. So it's saying that it's got plenty of these offspring to give out. Um, and the worms are talking. In text, it says we are good, but the second O has um, brackets. What are those? Brackets. They have, it has brackets around it. So if you take well, that the out. The B is always capitalized. It's as capitalized. If referring to a DD as well. 
Yes, it's it's referring to these five worms. Um, so it turns into we are God. Uh, so that's also a little bit of a thing. Um, so these these worms, and then the craziest thing is we find out they say, um, where is it? We have been trapped. Yes, where? Yes, uh, at the very yes, next yes. line. Yes, for millions of years, we have been trapped growing in the deep from across the stars. We have called life to fundament so that it may contend against extinction. For millennia, we have awaited you, our beloved hosts. So it sounds like these honest, virtuous worm gods were the only original inhabitants, maybe not original, but the first inhabitants of this planet, and that they, in effect, brought all of these other races to this place just waiting for a race to come down and to accept this deal. Like they have been waiting, growing, and and, and that's why yeah. I say maybe they're not original residents. They say that they're trapped. So my thinking is maybe at some point they were placed there by something else. Um, to me, it almost looks as they talk about how the Leviathan is the opposite. It's almost like you have two warring species. Um, or even the same species. Remember we talked about the nine, how some of them, there's that small group. It's almost like these five worm gods were imprisoned by the rest of their species. Um, and that can go into some, some theories uh, later. If, you know, we've already heard this talking that sounds like Ahamkara. But now we have something that are worm gods. But these worm gods are described in a similar, similar way to how Riven at some point looks. Uh, so... There's a lot to kind of unpack here in, I think, our spin foil session. Yeah. <laughs> Ms. High, what were you going to say? Why do they start referring to them as princes? We'll get into that. Um, but just know that gender can be fluid for some races. Okay, because yeah, that was my other question, too, because if for this race, a mom is somebody who has eaten the jelly and then has these babies like how did the king have three daughters exactly so it appears they're almost genderless until they make a choice at some point does that make sense yeah like they receive a more not necessarily a gender but a gender role um so they're all kind of um what's the word not sure but either genderless way genderless until then yeah, I was trying to think of it, but yeah, so that's kind of my thing. Uh, why it refers like to them as princes? Binary. Maybe it's just inferring. It, it can maybe um, that to be king, you become. They take on the male form. Does that make sense? So yeah, um, the worms are referring to them all as having the power the, as princes or the opportunity to be powerful kings. Um, so that's kind of my take on that. We're going to see a lot of gender fluidity as we continue on through this book. Yep. Yeah, and that's why I call this the Faustian deal or bargain. This is a bargain that is too good to be true because it is. They're offered immortality, and all they have to do is basically have a symbiote relationship with this worm. Take this tapeworm, let it live in you, and you can live forever. They're desperate. This sounds great. And the only thing you have to do that this, this symbiotic relationship requires of you in order to feed this worm is just, just do what you would normally do. Obey your nature. I mean, they even get the warning. If you, if you, this is the, this is what feeds the worms. You following your nature. You stop. They can kill you. And also, as you get stronger, they're going to need more. You're going to need to do more. 
Um, as your power grows, so will your worm's appetite. So this is foreshadowing for what's going to happen on later and why things are going to get so intense and involved and like the struggle becomes more and more is always going to be needed with them. So I personally, hearing this, I think no matter how desperate I was, I don't think I would take this deal. But remember, these are like young-ish, desperate sisters who have already stated that they need time and they've just been promised immortality. Yeah. Right. Everyone seems to be dying, I think. So, uh, anything no, else I mean, to yeah. add? Yeah, like there's not really anything else to discuss till we get some more information next week, or at least okay. not for me. I can only discuss what I know. <laughs> and I, I am dying, so I mean. Yeah, I know. Elemis looked like he was falling asleep a little bit. So, <laughs> poor guy. I'm still listening. No, I know you are. You just look tired. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I mean, I think that concludes. I'm so like hyped to get into the next part because this is like the start of the worms and the start of. Remember, we said this was the hive bible. At this point, there are no hive. These are proto hive. These are krill. Um, but yep. we're eventually going to get to the hive we know today um, through a process. Granted, most people know are familiar with the story to some degree. Uh, but if you don't know anything about the books of sorrow, you are in for an awesome story. And that's my, uh, what is that? That's my, that's my announcement for everyone. <laughs> that's the hive and guarantee, you guys. Yeah, there you go. That's the guarantee. But yeah, I mean, hey, you, anyone have anything else to add? I think that ends verse one. No, that, on a, that ends verse one. On a cliff one. note. Not a cliff uh, note. On a, cliff what's hanger. the word? Cliffhanger. Yeah, cliffhanger, not cliff note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We don't do cliff notes here, guys. We're a little we're involved. The whole thing. All right. Well, then I guess um, go ahead and go in to our shoutouts and outro. All right. Um, anyone have any particular shoutout they'd like to start out with this week? Uh, Ishtar Collective, like normal, and Bungie, because I actually. It, we were able to pull from additional resources than, you know, Ishtar Collective by actually looking at the pretty little Grimoire Anthology book. Yes, yeah. we did. Yep, yep, yep. You guys did. <laughs> um, I think that's about it for me. I, I've had a rough week, so I'm I'm kind of brain dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, then I guess I'll go. My shout-outs are to everyone involved with GuardianCon, everyone who set it up, and all the people in the community um, who were able to both raise the money for St. Jude, uh, but just be a part of it. Um, for me, I look forward to I need to go back and listen to the, the lore panel. Um, you know, For me, the lore community is definitely a big part, but I am also I was a lover of this game, just hard playing, a hardcore investor of time and playing even before I was into the lore. Uh, so regardless of what part of the community you enjoy the most, PvP, PvE, you're a raider, you're a lore nerd, um, it's really cool to have a place where everyone can get together. And while I w would love to have gone to GuardianCon in its early years, I've seen it grow every year, and when I do finally get to go, I know it's going to be a crazy, amazing convention. It gets bigger every year. So, And then, of course, shout-out to Bungie for also supporting it this year. Um, and then, yes, yeah, shout-out to Bungie for this book. This I actually can't state how beneficial this book has been, because um, while we read everything usually online from Ishtar, 
I've been reading from the book, and while Ishtar does everything well, they take everything from the cards. Because they re-added, they, when they did this book, it now has like a forward or like a chapter intro to each section. So I have an introduction to the Book of Sorrows in this book. And also, it is formatted. The spacing and the way it's formatted is just really helpful to understand like where everything is supposed to be, supposed to go. So I look forward to a day where I can hold all the grimoire kind of in my hand and have it formatted from Bungie. Um, so, of course, shout out to Ishtar Collective, because without them, we would have never had this. Um, but, you know, I look forward to a day where Ishtar Collective doesn't have to do this work for free. They can just enjoy the, the stuff yeah. that comes straight from Bungie, if that makes sense. Um, and while I definitely think that it's an amazing opportunity to help out Bungie by not making them have to have a website with all of the lore, you know... Um, Shout out to Ishtar for having it, but also shout out to Bungie and everyone involved with this lore book for giving us this beautiful book. And I look forward to the second book um, to just geek so out about. Uh, and, and on a similar note, Mylan Games, who was a uh, yeah. consultant for it. Indeed, I just turned to the forward. He is uh, right, right in here, man. Or a fellow guardian, it doesn't say. But we know. We know who worked on this. <laughs> we know. Everyone know. knows he would work hard. Or at least all us <laughs> Lord nerds know. Yes, I, and Mrs. Hyben knows. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. Uh, and then, of course, shout out to Joey Conchola. Always. Yep. The MVG, the most valuable guardian at the moment for us. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I have anything particular this week. Just kind of happy to be back, getting back into the swing of this. Um, yeah. So... Like you said, I got a new job, so I might not be as active on Twitter just in the next week or two while I'm trying to get things situated and calmed down. Um, but please, it does not mean that you cannot reach out to us. In fact, that would give me more of a reason to be on there. Um, so I'm going to just try and do my de- my best during this transition period. Um, but, but yeah, so very excited. And um, yeah. Uh, you got this. You got this. <laughs> I'm definitely nervous about the new job. I've only been uh, three days at it, uh, and it's kind of big time for what I do. Gosh. She's the new breadwinner. Yeah. Pretty I soon, just I'll just only be that. playing games all day. <laughs> we still both have to work, but she's got a fancy job now, guys. She is big baller, high roller, and all those fancy things. All those things, yeah. <laughs> All right, do we have any reminders? Just uh, look forward to our new uh, logo. And yeah. not no promises, but I, I, how about this? I promise by the time the Books of Sorrow are over, <laughs> we'll yeah. have something in there. Um, so one of these, eventually you'll see pretty soon. We are actively now you're can gonna, say. You're going to like load up we have and actively, it's going to have music yeah. and you're going to be like, what the heck is this? We have actively, actively worked on it actually now. We hadn't just talked yeah. about it. So little, little by little. Little yeah. by little. All right. Well, with that, I guess we're going to head on off of here. With our classic goodbye. Have a good night, everyone. Take care. Bum, bum, bum. Goodbye. Um, I'm just looking at the Twitter, and it still has the old logo. Yes, because it drops Tuesday with the podcast. <gasps> yeah. Duh. We're, God, we're recording in the future. 
Got it. <laughs> You're so no, annoying. No, we're recording in the past. Yeah, we're recording so in the past. So people in the future can listen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm moving on. Wait uh, a second. What? Oh, no. That is actually good. No. Guardian Con. That, that's, I was going to say podcast news, but we can do that. That's not yes. podcast news. No, it's definitely going to be stuff you missed in Destiny, though. I just realized yeah. we don't have that, but it's probably an important thing. Sorry. I'm not in charge here. I'm just you behind. You posted last time. You wouldn't have said it, though, unless Elemis wrote it in, so that's why I just mentioned it. You don't know. You don't know what I was going to say. You speak for Elemis, not for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, because GuardianCon happened when the Lumina... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, she's got me doing it now. <laughs> It's really whatever, I guess. Rock, paper, scissors to figure out who goes first. Okay. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> I knew we were going to do that. Okay, this one is scissors, paper, rock. This is when All right. I got a new Wait. way. I got a new way. Ready? Ready? I'm thinking of a number between 1 and 20. Hyven, your guess. Go. 7. Elmas, your guess. Ooh, it was 3. Hyven, you go first. <laughs> I like our rock, paper, scissors. I love how we both paused, wondering if the person would both do the last possible option of rock, and we both still did. Okay. Anyway, so I won that game. Just if you guys were wondering, the lag time on Skype is pretty good. You can have a game of rock, paper, scissors over the video chat. Yeah. <laughs> um. Also freaking smart. That's why that was off the record. I'm a genius. <laughs> We didn't doubt you. Yes. We can put that in the bloopers after we already talk about it. Although I don't know if we'll talk about it in this verse. Anyway, well, like, I'll just bleep bleep the name. Yeah, just I'm a genius. <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> I am. I'm a genius, you guys. Um, okay, back on the record. I just needed to know because, like, it was in my head. And you know, like, when you, like, think you're right about something and then you don't say it and then later you and are you're right like, and you're like, I knew it. And everyone's like, sure you did. Yeah. I just no, want to, no, hey, no, no. You got it. On the record, but unrelevant, the amount of editing we make for Elemist, sometimes I feel like we don't appreciate that enough. This guy right. does amazing <laughs> things, guys. We have, I think, like a, a, a tip thing. Dude, Elemist just deserves some tips. I'm going to just give him a tip. <laughs> I don't know why when he said he deserves a tip, it makes me think of like a stripper. <laughs> just goes to go one spot and just do string, y'all. <laughs> the j- oh god no no go away go away <laughs> no but i just want to comment elemis does a, does a lot of work in these recordings guys so while we don't we make see. anything off this and we'll record this regardless um just give him some shout outs more he does a lot of there's a lot there's a lot especially on days when we record on sunday which is when he's normally supposed to be editing yeah right so we're killing his it. editing time uh, it, this weekend it was off anyway. Stop. Don't start. I've got like two more sentences. Keep your mouth shut. Hey. No. Really? What, are they wrestling? Can you not hear her? Yeah, are they wrestling? What are they doing? No, she's just making noises at Callie. Yeah, she wants to fight. Why don't you let him into the bedroom to go play for a little bit? Why don't you let him into the bedroom? Rawr. You can continue now. I was about to! In your immortality, 
immortality. Why can I not just like say it? I don't know. I don't know. Immortality. Last one. Immorality. That's it. That's it. <laughs> don't be asshole.